Okay, if I had a drum, I'd be doing the drum roll right now. But welcome to season two of the Flight Pass podcast. I'm again, hey. yep, I'm here with <laughs> Kerry. And it's been a while. I know um, the millions and millions of Flight Pass podcasts out there across the world <laughs> have been waiting for this. Um, they have. Yeah, I see, I'm looking up all those rock quotes, you know, what do you think? I don't care what you think or whatever it is. Anyway, <laughs> you know, but the millions and millions of fans out there, we are back for a second season and we have some great um, guests lined up. Um, yeah. We have two in the can and we have a bunch more that um, we have yet to record. So we're not giving anything away, Kerry. No, um, lips are sealed. <laughs> yeah, some, I think, very interesting ones as well. Yes. Um, that yeah. that you know people you've never heard of but they promise to be good interviews so deep in behind the scenes of making yeah. things happen yeah yeah, yeah so for sure it'd be, it'd be really cool uh, maybe a little bit different flavor from season season yeah. one although we'll have to keep our fpo um flight pass effect effect there you go a simple word well uh, holland and missy both took it down right yeah they did yeah after the, yeah yeah big money missy yeah much. awesome yeah nice forty thousand yeah. dollar check there you bet so that means she'll be able to afford to fly up to um the tco <laughs> tco if you're listening to this <laughs> <laughs> okay so let, let's get on our first guest okay. uh, is not um a big name in disc golf, although he might be a big name in Kamloops disc golf. Yes, um, I think I think he sounds like one of the like his name is one of those Brat Pack names for those people who are young and don't know who the Brat Pack were. They were a bunch of young movie actors, and, and I'm trying to think of I, now. I can't even think of any of them. Um, the guy that plays Iron Man, what's his name? No, ju- uh, like oh, oh I'm brain dead. You, you're looking it up on your phone. I am. Um, yeah. Like Emilio Estevez was one. Um, I'm trying to think of the all the women. Uh, Emilio yeah. Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall. There you go. That's why. I'm probably Rob Lowe, Andrew Rob McCarthy, Lowe, yeah. Demi yeah. Moore, Judd Nelson, Maureen Ringwald, and Ali yeah. Sheen. They all came up. They all came out in the eighties with these kind of teen angst movies. And yeah. whenever I hear this guy's name, I think of the Brat Pack. And today we have Thomas Michael Griffin on the show, and some of you are going who is that Ooh. what yeah well he's the president of the Kamloops Disco Club and we have a fantastic chat with him um coming up in just a minute we go in the circle with him and we talk about what it takes to grow a disco club and all the inherent problems I'm going to say with that because there, there are a lot of and hurdles and obstacles yeah and absolutely yeah, yeah. We're going from uh, a club of like 70 something to a club of over 200 in a year. Okay, but let's quickly go over what's happened with you in disc golf in the past week. In the past week, oh, I have a really couple of weeks. Golf. So I played in provincials, and um, my whole goal with provincials, which was uh, up uh, in Clearwater at the end of September, was just to enjoy and have fun. I ended up having to move to FPO because FP40 folded. The other two players pulled out of the tournament and I had an option to go to FPO or to FA1. And um, maybe my skill level, I could have gone to FA1, but I don't feel like with my experience and my time in the sport and what I do for the sport, it would have been fair 
to go backwards. So I went up and I played with some incredible women. I got to play with Jordan Moens, who I've never played with before, and watch her crush and execute putts that were just yeah. insane. Um, I came in last, which is fine. Um, there was no expectation. I, I kept myself in the mix after day one, but going up to the golf course uh, in Wells Gray, they got to open up their arms and I was literally the mom on the card. I was the old gal. So um, it was lots of fun. And I really just enjoyed cheering for great shots. And I had some great throws. I had some great putts, um, but I just couldn't make anything happen. I couldn't bring it together because I don't play enough. But other than that, um, got to see Dick Hart come to life this past weekend, which was absolutely beautiful after over two years of yeah. work and hustle. It was kind of cool. I played around on Friday evening with a couple people before the course was known to be open. There were some people in the know and went up and yeah, it's a gem. And I look forward to seeing the growth of that course over the next year or two and the changes and the tweaks and the feedback and um, something great that you'll, when we interview Thomas and people here is that he's very open to that kind of stuff. That's probably what makes him really successful at being a, uh, being in the position he's in with our club he's open to feedback he's open to discussion um so very cool other than that i'm in a virtual putting league there's women from all across british columbia i think saskatchewan maybe even ontario i don't know how many women are in this thing but we have to putt we're in a private facebook group and we putt once a week live on facebook and we have we're in groups in uh, pools and we know how many Putts we have to make from certain distances and we're kind of competing. So for me, um, I need to get back to the basics for putting. So it's been really exciting. Shannon Sanders from Langley from Raptors Knoll. She runs the Raptors Knoll Women's League. She's yeah. running this. So cool. it's very cool. And there's a couple of us, Elizabeth DeVries and uh, Gabby from yeah. Kamloops is in it. And I think there's a few more women from Kamloops that are taking part as well. And um yeah, it's it's fun. It's I'm meeting women I've never met before, and I'm putting against. I'm competing. I'm the only one with a marksman basket, so I'm doing yeah. putting on a marksman basket, which is like whatever. It's another challenge. Yeah. I'm just I'm here to take part and enjoy and watch the growth and watch women like Shannon, uh, like that next era of women coming in yeah. and growing the sport. Very exciting and lots of really cool things coming up in the new year for women in British Columbia as well. So kind of very fortunate to have been included and asked and um, mentoring a few female TDs right now as well. So it's kind of fun. Very cool. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, Are you playing? Because so you I, weren't at provincials. I wasn't. I, I actually had the time booked off work. Okay. And then I have, I'm going to put this invitation out now. I haven't really started. I have this goal in three years. I've all like, when I was in 18, 19, 20, I, I, I've always wanted to go to India. Okay. Um, part of it, um, just to experience the culture. I've always loved Indian food. Um, you know, I'm a cricket fan. The Cricket World Cup is on there right now. I'm, some watching, I'm watching that on TV. Jeez. I watched England just get humiliated by Afghanistan <laughs> in cricket just now. Um, but... Yeah, I, I have this. I've always had this affinity with India, and I, I don't know why. And I consider myself 
if I if I live by any if I live by any kind of creed or code, it will be more Buddhist than anything else. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously so that there's a little bit of a spiritualness in there, but I'm I'm planning to go in in 2026 because the I just started working with the government of British Columbia and they have a deferred paid scheme, but you can't okay. get on to you can't get onto that for two years. So I've mm -hmm. got to work there two years. And then I can go on the deferred pay and put, so I'm putting part of my money from my salary away right now yeah. um, for two years and trying to save up as much as possible. Then I'll get, you know, Hey, the government can put, take 20% off my pay or whatever I decide. And then after a year, I can take six months or a year off. Oh, like a sabbatical kind of. But like a sabbatical. And then you have that money saved up. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's my plan. And my plan is to go to India. Uh, I love and, it. I, I not not for the whole. Talk about it before, yeah. and I love it. And so you're picking and choosing, aren't you? Where you spend your money? Is that what? Yeah, you're that's that's why I didn't go because I go okay. okay I can pay the hundred twenty dollar entry fee or whatever it was, and then the three nights hotel and the travel up there. And I thought, no, I have to, you know, put put money aside for this trip if it's if it's actually going to happen. So, yeah. um, and I, I'll give this way. I'll say this now, and then I. So I've been researching disc golf in india yeah and it's very if you go on there and type disc golf india in google you'll get a youtube page and it's very basic i don't think there's any courses um yet full courses there um there's people with baskets throwing them in parks and having fun um so i reached out to the guy that started disc golf india and he actually um lives part of the time in minnesota so he spent a lot of time in north america that's cool so i reached out to him to see if he wanted to come on the show and talk with we're, we're going to talk with thomas um you're going to hear the tom interview with thomas in just a minute about building a club but imagining trying to grow a game with 1.4 billion people in the country and it's a subcontinent i mean yeah. I, th I think you can fit british columbia into it like 18 times or something maybe even insane. yeah it, it's you know i mean huge country i plan to go for two months and i'll be lucky if i see half of what i would like to see um and that's missing you should lot. uh start connecting with scott stokely you guys could like yeah i, I did message start about it and you know because <laughs> nice. i know he wants to his goal is to go to um for one of a better term developing countries and promote um, yeah. disc golf but hey if anybody's interested in 2026 meeting me in bank oh so the guy told me in, in 2026 they should have a course up in bangalore which yes. is kind of south central um india so that's now on my must visit list so i like it yeah so i, I love be, it anyway, I, I love it the fact <laughs> you're setting goals and yeah connecting but, already and yeah. yeah that's very cool i look it's, forward to talking to him yeah cool it's a it's a that was a long way around saying i'm putting money my money to other you know you and that's okay like yeah. you're still playing you're still yeah. they're bettering your game and yeah connecting with the community and you're just doing it in a different means and that's yeah. all right i donated all weekend craig donated yeah. all weekend at provincials it was a good experience right like definitely yeah but i get it i totally yeah. get it but i did sign up that in next weekend so which will be the twenty Saturday, the twenty first of October. So it's come out yeah. before then. Carver Whitford is TDing a doubles tournament in Lumbee. Yes, yeah. So, uh, Bill Letcher and myself are going in the MA40 division. 
Nice. The fun. Um, double Dragon, right? This is Carver's double, event. Double, double dragon. dragon. Yeah. And we, our team name is called the Crown and Anchor. <laughs> and and the reason it's called the Crown and Anchor is every Sunday there's a group of six or seven of us that play doubles. Yep. And we have this point system. And if you become last, you actually have to put in your bag because basically people have dragged you around the course. You know, you, you switch pairs every six holes. So, yep. you know, there are people who have been carrying you around the course if you finish with the least points. So we actually have a 1.5 pound anchor that you have, to, you have to put in your bag when you're the anchor and take it around while you play. That is amazing. And then, and then the crown, there's, we've got this little crown keychain. So the person comes on top, gets the crown. And we called it the crown and anchor because if you've ever seen Ted Lasso, the pub in Ted Lasso yes. is called the crown and anchor. Crown and anchor. Yeah. So right now I've got a 1.5 pound anchor in my bag. It kind of folds and, up nicely. And does Bill have the crown? Is this, this is, all um, about? we played today and yeah, Bill got the crown today. Actually, nice. he won the crown today and I took the anchor off the person. I'm going to be in the Okanagan. I'm going Tuesday until Monday. I'm not, we're not playing, but I will be down, Craig and I'll both be down at doubles and we're nice. playing with the Kelowna Disc Golf Club on Wednesday. Cool. So yeah, cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah. That'll be fun and see if be down there. Um, and what's the other thing I was, oh yeah, I posted on Facebook, I, uh, just on my personal Facebook page that I think it was like round about Thanksgiving, about a year ago anyway, I had my best round ever at hmm? Rose Hill and literally a year and a day later, I equaled that score. So What's I went. Going on? Sorry. So <laughs> What's not, going on? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, well, I'm not getting any better, but I equaled the score, which is good. You're not getting any worse, though. No, so that's true. Well, that. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> the ups and downs. So it's been it's been a fun couple of weeks, um, cool. and it's a shame now that we're going into the winter because I don't like playing in the snow or the cold. I'm over it. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, when you got to bundle up and you can't do a full swing because you got so many layers on and yeah. you can't feel your face and, yeah. and you're trudging through snow and I, I'm over it. I'm so, yeah. I actually dropped out of the event at Dick Hart. Um, I'm, I'm getting so old. <laughs> I got <laughs> to heal up my ankle um, that I hurt in August in Logan Lake, playing in Logan yeah. Lake, um, re-injured it in September long weekend at uh, Falcon's Flight and then um, tweaked it again. And then I played on Friday and just, I'm, I'm happy I did withdraw. Just, I don't think my foot could have taken the two rounds out there. Just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a diamond in the rough, this course at Dick Hart yeah. and needs, still needs some love in the fairways and stuff. So just, I'm a klutz too, like just straight up if I can trip over the chalk line, I will, and probably have to go to the hospital for it. And I stubbed my toe and stepped in holes and tripped on Friday and it was a gong show. So, but I had so much fun and I'm, so yeah. Basically the only thing that's changed between the start of season one and the start of season two is we're a little bit more experienced in podcasting and we're another year older. Otherwise we're still hitting trees and tripping over stumps and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'm having fun. I'm still oh, no. Fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. Fun. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, enough of our babble. I'm sure um, you want to hear some sensible talk. And the thing I love about the chat with Thomas Michael Griffin, there's a quote that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. 
I was definitely in the right room. Yes. Because uh, Thomas is a very smart guy. Hope you enjoy the chat. Let's go into the circle with our guest. Welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Flight Pass. Um, we have a special guest tonight, as we always do. This one, um, if you're in Kamloops, you'll recognize his name, maybe in BC. And if you went to Edmonton last weekend, then he's probably splashed all over the headlines of the newspapers over there for winning his division in uh, an Edmonton tournament. We have Thomas Griffin, who is obviously a disc golfer and president of the Kamloops Disc Golf Club. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you. I know you're super busy, so thanks for giving up your time. Um, and I'm envious of the rig that he's sitting behind the computer rig. He's probably, <laughs> he's probably um, sending a guy to Mars right now with the computer power he's got right there. So, <laughs> the, well, first, the first disc golfer on Mars is on his way right now. <laughs> so we wanted to talk. I've been golfing, kind of, I'm a pandemic golfer, and we know Kerry's been golfing a lot longer. Um, and there's a lot more, you know, since I've joined, there's been so many changes in Kamloops. We wanted to talk about the local scene. And if anybody is disc golfing in a different, um, you know, even in Vernon or Kelowna or Calgary, be interested in your feedback to see if it's similar after you hear our discussion. So please give us feedback. But let's start, um, Thomas, just if you want to introduce yourself and how long you've been involved in disc golf and the, the club. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Clive. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for having me. This is going to be a good discussion, I think, uh, if we don't get too carried away on on various topics. But I've been disc golfing for about six to seven years. I started really casually. So a couple of years before the pandemic kind of changed the entire sport in a lot of ways for the better. Uh, and so I started when I came into, into disc golf, I actually walked into a small uh, local sports store and they had a dozen discs on a little rack in between their rows of shoes here in Kamloops. And I asked the guy about them and he didn't have any information on what they were. The guy working there just didn't know. And he said, he thinks he thought there was something maybe up Rose Hill to do with Frisbee golf. And that's kind of what he said. So I drove up there and didn't really see anything and then left uh, a year later, one of my buddies uh, took me out disc golfing and I, I bought a couple of his discs and I was, blown away by what, what, uh, the entire thing was and, and how cool it was. I quickly then went and bought three discs that were completely inappropriate for a beginner to buy as, as most people, yeah. uh, who start playing disc golf, make the same mistake, uh, a 14 speed because it's the furthest driver that you can throw. That's what it says. And anyways, I, I proceeded to be very bad at the sport with those discs, but started to have a lot of fun. And that's where I came into into disc golf and into the KDGC, although very, very slowly. We had we had one of the oldest clubs. Kerry can talk about that a lot better than I can uh, in Canada, really, uh, and, and one of the more established clubs. But at that time, this was 2016, 2017, uh, it was still only a handful of people. It was very stagnant at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the same handful of people that had started it 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so... That was that was the scene. Everybody who knew each other knew each other, and and so it was it was a little bit intimidating and a little bit challenging for new players to maybe jump into that world. Uh, so I stayed on the outside of that world for a very long time, for a few years actually, uh, and then it slowly started to evolve as I got to know a couple more players and actually just doing course maintenance with with one of the 
uh, club directors that was doing all the maintenance at that time. He no longer lives in Kamloops, but we owe a lot of good work to him. Uh, and he kind of slowly introduced me to the club and some of the people and, and some of the events. But again, it's not the disc golf that most people see today. Uh, the kind of events that we've got going on, et cetera, uh, in 2023, it's a different scene. Uh, you'll go up there on any given day to any of our courses and you'll see dozens and dozens of people uh, roaming around throwing discs, new, uh, experienced, and everybody in between. So uh, that was kind of my start. And, and as I got into and involved with the club, it went from uh, kind of a marketing position initially. That's what I was asked to come on and work, uh, work inside of with emails and, and, and Facebook and things like that to bringing some of my experience from my job into the club. And, and what I mean by that is, is uh, kind of project management, management in general, and just bringing a little bit more professionalism to the nonprofit organization that was a sports club uh, to try to push it in a direction that allowed us to grow uh, beyond what we were currently capable of growing beyond. Because to go from a dozen people with maybe 20 or 30 people locally playing to hundreds of people with thousands of people locally playing is a huge shift. And, and the amount of responsibilities and the amount of to-dos that come with that is, is huge. And if you're not managing that a little differently than a recreational club, uh, it, it, it will never get there. So yeah. How many members in the club right now? Currently we're sitting at around 200. Okay. Uh, I don't have the exact number on me. I should have been more prepared for this. That's call. Okay. Um, and I, I can step in and say like, I've sat with the club in some capacity since 2000. Um, filled all kinds of roles, president, treasurer, communications. And the most our club ever had was like 75, 80 members. But on average, it was always the same 35 to 50 people putting 10 bucks down every year. And um, we didn't really know how to better that or how to, sorry, how to um, work around that, how to grow it. Like we had done everything. We'd done like sit in the parking lot with our club shirts on and talk to every player that walked through and, you know, $10. If you love your course, you don't ever want to see it pulled. We work really hard. We're ambassadors. We were park stewards. Like it, it, we really needed some fresh eyes on the club and some fresh thoughts to how to run the club. But we also needed a workaround for, because the people that were there, including myself, were originals like they were the people that created the club and wanted to see only the very best thing happen for the club and it's like raising your child and they like get their driver's license <laughs> and you hand them the car keys and you're like but I need to go with you like you, you gotta let it go and you gotta trust that the person taking the reins is doing the right thing step in Thomas <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that sounds like a lot of responsibility to me. <laughs> it was a lot of responsibility. A lot of eyes, right? Like we were very established. Like we'd run the 2004, the 2011, the 2013 Canadian championships. In between, we'd done what was called the Ultra Glide. They were back in the day, they were called Super Tours. Like we were hosting events in Western Canada and maybe sometimes all of Canada that were record-breaking for payouts and for uh, attendance. And there was clubs like the first course in BC is in uh, Tawasin, I believe, and then Pender Island. So there's courses before us, but an organization hosting events 
KDGC was groundbreaking in the early two early 2000s to late 2000s, 2013 was probably the last time, well, it was the last time until 2022 that we hosted something huge. So we had this pride that came along with growing our club, but that pride maybe got in the way of how to grow the club, you know, and it, it was refreshing. And every bad situation has a silver lining. And I'm sure Thomas can talk about what happened during COVID. Yeah, I've got an, a number of topics here I want to go through, and I'm sure we'll, as we talk about different ones, you know, the other ones will crop up, which will be fine. But if we look at the board now, um, and let's give a shout out to them, if you can remember them all by name, I'm sure you can. But uh, if you can tell us who's on the board, um, because I'm sure the people that listen to the podcast, maybe even Kamloops, there may not be members, a so shout out to the people on the board. And if you know how long they've been on the board, that'd be great. Uh, absolutely. Dates exactly of who's been on the board since when I don't have all of that information. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, I can give you some generalizations. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, Carrie is is the current board member who was around when the club got formed and and has been with it in some iteration or another the entire time. Uh, and before I'll even talk about our current board members, uh, Carrie mentioned it, but the the founding of the KDGC and these people that put in the legwork 25 years ago, uh, and then and then 10 years ago holding the last tournaments we saw. Uh, this is the reason we have a club. These people are the people that paid thousands of hours of time when nobody else was playing this sport uh, simply because they loved it. And we wouldn't have a club today. And this is true for every single club I've talked to uh, in, in all of Canada. I haven't been to the U.S. seen like Carrie has, but this is true of everywhere in, in disc golf. It was, it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 15 years ago that these people started putting this work in when it was a niche sport, when it was not popular, when there was no Jomez, when there was no flight pass um, podcast or anything like that. And uh, they did it quietly when nobody was watching. And we owe everything we have foundationally to everybody that came before us. So I'll start with that because I can't even, I can't even begin to quantify how much we owe to that group of people across our entire sport. Um, and, and, and especially in the KDGC. So our current, our current, current board is we're on the, we're on the tail end of a set of our second year. And we changed a lot when we, when we reformatted the KDGC from a, a board perspective two years ago, from how we do voting to how we have our board. And this fall, when we do our AGM, we will be doing another set of elections. And the reason we went to a two year instead of a every annual, every year uh, doing a vote is, is there's not enough time to get things done. If we're spending half of our time trying to figure out who's going to run things. And so when we shifted, we, we shifted our entire board to specific positions uh, to do specific roles. Instead of having uh, members at large with a, a president, maybe a treasurer, maybe somebody in communications, and everybody else is just doing whatever, as a member at large, we formatted our entire uh, board to be specific roles, which, which what allowed us to um, delegate the right task to the right person, find a good fit, and allow that person to take full responsibility of that part of uh, the KDGC. And what that allowed us to do is be way more effective uh, at running a club growing in members like ours is. Uh, so currently in our board, uh, I'm sitting as president, uh, as vice president is Colin. Everybody everybody in our entire community knows who Colin is. Lefty. Um, <laughs> lefty. And he's he's actually about to have a baby if it hasn't already happened. Um, any, any minute now, I think it's probably going to happen. Um, 
and he's still out there. He's going to be out there at Dick Hart working on the course. You better believe it in two weeks, three weeks when we start doing uh, our course install. That's that's his heart and dedication to our club. Um, Carrie obviously is sitting here and, and Carrie takes on a number of roles as we're coming up to the end of our two year run. Uh, we've had a couple members uh, decide to uh, step out a little bit early uh, due to life, life, life uh, situations. And so Carrie and myself have taken on extra burden. So Carrie is a little bit of everything right now. Um, primarily, she does our marketing and communications. Uh, and she's also part treasurer with myself currently. Uh, I'm also, for those listening, if you're, if you're interested in, I'm also plugging, we need to fill some positions this fall. We're looking Absolutely. for some people. Um, <laughs> so this is opportune. This is opportune time for us to, to give a shout out saying, hey, if you want to get involved, now is a great time to reach out and start understanding what's maybe available for positions that you might be a good fit for. Um, we've got Ben Laidlaw, who's, who's uh, special events, um, and he's helping with course development as well. Uh, and then we've got Andrew Class, and he's running our league. So anybody who's been part of our league in the last two years uh, understands how awesome it is right now. We're getting between 35 and 55 people every week out to our league events. That's insane. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And it's, it's so really good. great. Uh, I mean, we had a good foundation. Everything that Chad did previously for league has been built on top of. Um, but again, this is a good example of Andrew's got no other responsibilities outside of board meetings and voting. No other responsibilities other than just running league. And because of that, we've got uh, a well-oiled machine, if you will. And I think the payouts are getting pretty large on a weekly basis for league two. So they are interested to make some money. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I've got a side hustle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've think I have close to a hundred dollars in the league this year. Nice. There you go. Because that's because I have the great couple of really good rounds and then I absolutely poop <laughs> the bed for three weeks and I get a great round. It is not the <laughs> um for those who don't know our, our league is a handicap league that we run uh and it it allows it's designed for our newest players to be able to get involved and play and play themselves. They're playing their last score. They're pay, playing actually their last five scores. So as as new players get better there's good possibilities that those new players are in uh, the top five or 10 positions and they take home prize, prize money on a weekly basis, which is fantastic. Our whole goal with league is wrapped around new players uh, primarily and those developing their game. Oh, so I want to, so I want to give a shout out to Troy though. Yes. He's one of our better players and he goes out and shoots minus 16. Yeah. Yeah. He won. I think he took league. I think he won league that week. Yeah. Uh, and for the rest of time, his handicap is going to be so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Minus 16. It was a great round. Yeah. I think he that's had an awesome. ace in that round as well. Yeah, he did. I think it was, yeah. I think it included an ace. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. So um, did you miss it? Did you get everybody? I, there? I did. I haven't gone through the whole list. We've got it. We've got a pretty yeah. big board. We got yeah, a that's list. okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going off my memory. So if I miss anybody, Carrie can elbow me. Yeah. Um, so with uh, Sunday doubles, we've got Bruce Heige, uh running that. Bruce, if I said your last name wrong, I apologize. Um, but Bruce runs doubles on a weekly basis, and it is another well-oiled machine. Uh, it's it's incredible. I think doubles is anywhere from 20 to 35 people on a, on a Sunday basis, and that's Sunday morning at 10. Uh, so it's not always the best time for people to get out of bed and go play around a disc golf. Uh, I fall into that category with three young kids that sometimes I don't make it, but uh, Sunday doubles is random flip. And so you're always playing with a new partner and it's, it's uh, a great way to get better. If you're, if you're looking to improve your game, 
because you can often get paired with somebody who's who's going to teach you something that you don't maybe know. And just playing with with some of our best players uh, allows you to up your game. Uh, on membership, we've got we've got Pierre, and he runs all the back end uh, tracking of our members, making sure that as members get registered, they get notified, all the email notifications and things like that that go out to them, uh, and dealing with things like uh, the the top tier swag that comes with membership, etc. Um, and we have uh, previously, Grant. yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, Danny runs all of our clinics, and so this she's one of our silent board members when i say silent she works furiously behind the scenes uh nobody really notices it unless they're at clinics and clinics i'm talking about clinics for schools and for sports clubs and for youth groups um and i can't remember the number last year but i believe it was over 20 clinics that we ran throughout the year um that she orchestrated to manage which is unbelievable because this is the next generation of disc golfers into our sport our our 10 year olds that are in schools uh outside of outside of that we i want to make sure that i mention uh, our previous uh, board members that have stepped down since we did our elections. Uh, so most recently we had, we had Zach Bernier step down. He was our maintenance director and he was responsible for making sure that our courses were top notch for both TCOs yeah. 2022 and 2023, yep. as well as a few other events, but the TCO events are the big ones. And, and uh, it's a huge job. Uh, if if you never come out for maintenance day, you just don't know, but a, thousands of hours uh maintenance falls into the maintenance director's um pot so this is a position that we will be filling uh obviously every position will be voting uh this fall but we're not to scare you away with the thousands of error hours we've but, got some uh, good plans in place to, to make that, to make that a little to make bit better yeah painless, yeah let more more painless um but this is a big piece of disc golf right making sure that our courses are maintained and playable uh and free to play for everybody that's coming in that's a new player etc um, so it's, it's really one of the biggest focuses of our club, uh, and it's a huge amount of work. So thank you. Thank you, Zach. Uh, and, uh, the end of last season, uh, we had, we had Robbio, uh, everybody of old knows who Robbio is, and he was our treasurer. Um, when he stepped down, Carrie and I took on that for, for this year until our elections. Um, and he kind of managed all the finances and that's, that's no small feat for a club of our size either. So, uh, that is, and I'm just thinking, Carrie, because I'm off the top of my head on a, on a live call here. Is that, is that our board? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel so bad. I think that's our board. I'm, I'm going to think on it because I will make a shout out if, if I have Brett, Brett stepped away as well as a fundraising coordinator. So. Brett did step away. Um, yeah. And I was going to kind of keep Brett as a separate piece because yeah. he's still very active in the fundraising yeah. piece of the he, equation. He's Yeah, he is. But um, as sitting on the board as a fundraiser coordinator, he did step away. So, yes. Yeah. And, and Brett, Brett, if you don't know who Brett Hanna is, he's the one who fundraised most of Dick Hart um, and behind the scenes has been fundraising continuously, even since he stepped out of the KDC. Yes. And really he moved to Logan Lake and we allowed that to expand the KDGC's reach more than just have two separate entities. So um, Brett's still very much an active part of the discussions that we have at a board level and a big part of our fundraising still. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I know most of those individuals. I don't know the um, the coordinate, you know, the school's coordinator or um, 
who does the clinics. I don't think Danny. Danny. Um, I don't think I've met Danny. I'm. I probably. I'm terrible with names. She could probably. You probably she, have, but, but Danny's taken a job. Um, she finished university and she took a job, um, with Highland Valley Copper. So okay. she works four on, four off. Yeah. So her schedule doesn't always allow for her to be at club events or be present for our meetings, but she hustles behind the scenes big time and works um, all the clinics into her days off. So when she has four days off, she's trying to do school clinics, uh, community group clinics. She's coordinating with the board and other members to see if there's people available to help her with clinics. So yeah, so she's not very present on the course, but behind the scenes, she's killing it. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And and I will actually throw in because she's she's the best representation of this. But this goes for the entire board. Um, one of the things that that comes with being a board member, uh, I mean, aside from the fame, and I'm I'm, I'm tongue in cheek, just joking about that. I'm on on the podcast today, but the amount of work that goes into having a having a board position often means that you're you're working in disc golf more than you're playing disc yeah. golf. And this is this is one of the things that I always try to share about everybody that's that's on the board to everybody who's not is the amount of hours and and, and work that goes in mental capacity thing, uh, that goes into running things often means you're not playing events and so maybe someone doesn't know your name because you're spending more time doing things behind the scenes and actually being in front of people and actually just playing the game that we all love and so there is sacrifice in it absolutely um and that's what makes the whole thing kind of run. So that I'm not going to say is the only reason that, that, that maybe you don't know Danny's name, but it is a good, a good example of the Absolutely. kind of life that a board member lives when they're, when they're working. And it's also a really good example of somebody who maybe is just a, a recreational player that loves the sport and what it does for the community and wants to give back and volunteer, but playing isn't their first priority. Like they'll get out if they can which Danny, I haven't seen her play forever, but she's still giving back because she she loves what the sport does for the community. So there's that opportunity as well. If you're listening to this and you think you want to be part of the board, but you're like, oh, I've only been playing for two years and I'm not, I'm just a recreational player. There's room for you on the board to give back to the sport and the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I make a couple of shout outs to a few members outside of the board members that just in the last year and a half just course, have done yeah. a pile of work, if, yeah. if that's okay? Um. So, and, and I'm probably going to miss some people, but I just, there's a few people that stand out of, of the pile quite heavily. Uh, Brett was going to be the first person I was going to list, not being a board member. Um, but some of the other people that, that do stand out to me um, are a group that subs in for doubles and for running league. Uh, and so Adam Bruno runs doubles almost 50% of the time. Um, and that's, again, the board position is to manage it, not necessarily to run every single event. So, so Adam does a great job jumping in and he actually does a lot of maintenance at the courses as well um, in his, in his off hours. Uh, I know, I know in, on the league side of things and Andrew would have a better list cause I'm not at them all, but he's got two or three go-tos that, that help him. Adam being one of them. Uh, Jacob is another one that, that steps in and runs uh, and Chase runs, runs those events at times as well. And that just helps uh, a ton to get these things done. Um, outside of the board, uh, Wes has done a lot of clinic work in the last two years and everybody knows who Wes is. Uh, he's the one who also runs ice bowl obviously every year, which is not, it's in conjunction with the KDGC, but he does a ton of that. Um, and he actually helped do a big demo for teachers for the teachers group this year. Um, 
which is huge. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Chad for a minute, um, because although he's not a board member, he does a mountain of stuff still in the disc golf community and for the KDGC. I mean, he co-TDs TCOs with Kerry. He co-TDs other events uh, that are happening, match play events and things like that in 2022. And um, every every time that he gets a chance to do something for the disc golf community, he does. And he also sits on another board, uh, the BCDS board. Uh, and I know they're not the BCDS anymore. Carrie, you can maybe tell me what their name is. BC Disc Golf Association. Okay. Yeah. I know they just changed their branding. They did. Um, yeah, they just changed their branding. So Chad stepped into that when he stepped out of the KGC board position. So that's awesome. And one more person that I'll, I'll throw out there. Uh, I know, I know there's a ton, but uh, Troy uh, has been running outside of Carrie and Chad TDing uh, Troy with, with the help of Brett and Zach has, has been taking on events like a, like a, a mad person this year. And he is running multiple tournaments match play and everything else. And this is the kind of thing that I just, everything that we can do as a board and a club to support the individuals that want to do something really cool for the local community. That's what it's all about. Um, because we can't do all of that. And you guys can, everybody in the KGC can. And Troy is just a shining example this year of somebody who's, who's knocked it out of the park. Yeah. If you want to meet your board, if you're a member, um, go to one of the maintenance days. Because that's what the board members are there. And then there's, um, it's the same faces, you know, and I've been remiss in not, even though I'm not on the board, probably not putting my full weight, you know, and I've got a lot of weight to add. So, um, <laughs> Me too. But, uh, yeah. But, you know, to, 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 for those events, because Saturday morning, nine o'clock or whatever time it is and it's yep. 500 degrees outside and yeah okay and it's easy to make excuses but um yeah i encourage people because you do see the same people out there doing the work and it would be nice you know if all of us or most of us went out there and it make you know what's that uh, many hands make light work exactly exactly absolutely and yeah. i just i want to give a shout out being on the female side of things um Justin and Elizabeth DeVries have stepped in to the board. I've got, I've got to edit this out, by the way. <laughs> Justin just gets joking. mentioned in every podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, Elizabeth is going to get mentioned today yeah, because she she's a rock star. So I was looking, we were talking about something to do, the get in, get out, get rated. Um, I wanted to do it just for women. I asked if anyone wanted to help. Elizabeth was like, I'm in. Her hand went up so fast. The computer almost set on fire. And she went over to my house and I just hanging out with her this year. You guys got to remember like two years ago, Elizabeth was like carrying a disc and hanging out with her family because disc golf was something they wanted to do. And she was barely interested. And now she's like bombing over 300 feet. She's killing it. She's participating. She's traveling. She's doing like um, virtual putting leagues. She's like, she's the most amazing female disc golfer I've met in a really long time and she came over to my house to help me with this women's get in get out get rated and I said to her hey you should TD it and I'll co-TD it and she kind of looked at me and I'm like you can totally do it I said and if anything falls apart behind the scenes I'll pick it up and nobody has to know it's all you and I didn't even touch these things they ran Friday and Saturday and Elizabeth DeVries ran her very first event as a TD. And we struggled a little bit on Sunday trying to submit our reports. 
She was on the phone with the PDGA. She was sorting it out. Like she's a freaking rock star and our community should be so fortunate to have someone male or female jump in and take over and want to do something like that. But from one female to another, I'm super stoked to have someone so passionate in the community. I kind of feel like she's got the fire I had 20 years ago and that fire is hard to put out. So shout out to Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth, if you're listening, because I know you are. Yeah. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being so excited about disc golf. Like I am. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Elizabeth and Justin are very good friends of mine. And and I mean this in the best way. She is a disc golf monster now. Yes. Like a, a, a year ago, a, a year ago, Justin and I would go out and it would be Elizabeth might join us or a year and a half ago. We're like, are you coming out? Yeah. And, and then I don't know, something clicked in there because I get, maybe a kid's got involved. So it's, it's their son Sawyer is a good little player. Yeah. Um, and now like guarantee if you saw her walking down the street, she'd be wearing a Joe Mez pro shirt an approachable shirt or some <laughs> kind of disc golf attire. Um, yeah. Simon's uh, what, whatever his thing was on Joe Mans, she's got the ball cap. Yeah. Like she started, like she has lit my fire, refueled my fire for wanting to do things better. Like I got way too comfortable. Um, and yeah, she's, she makes me smile. Like you can't, this, there's no video to our podcast, but these guys can attest. I'm grinning ear to ear right now. She sets my soul on fire. She's amazing. Cool. Thank you so much. And absolutely. Thank, thank you both. Thank you guys for bringing, bringing them up and uh, for everything that they're doing. Yeah. I know that they're, they're doing more even behind the scenes. Yeah. And I'm excited. I can't I, wait to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because absolutely. after we talked with Zoe and Dyke, um, I talked to Justin and he was already talking. He'd already run some youth stuff because he's a principal of the high school, did some court, you know, some teaching or coaching with some of his kids. He did a kind of pilot project. So I know he's, he's big into that. And I think that brings us round to membership, um, which is one of the topics I want to discuss. And, and we've talked about how the membership has grown to, you know, 50 members to 200 members um, and how it's growing. And I, I see people out there that maybe I just haven't met before, but there seems to be more faces coming out on league night, um, new faces. You go to a tournament, there's new faces. Um, the getting, get out, get raided that was held this last weekend. There were some faces, a few people from out of town. Um, yeah. But so that was great. But with the membership, we've got so many new players how do we how do we make them or or convince them that being a member of the kdgc the Camelot's disco club is something that's going to be beneficial for them and for the for Camelot's disco because i've seen families out there um and it might be an awareness thing you know, you have to be on the right Facebook page. You have to know the right person to have them pop exactly. up. Although nowadays, if I mention, you know, if I mention, um, I'm going to say it right now, I want to become a prepper, you know, and be a survivalist. I guarantee on my Facebook feed, there'll be three adverts <laughs> for survivalists tomorrow, you know. So, but how do, you know, I mean, joking aside, what what's the plan? Is the, the, I mean, the KDGC, I believe, have a plan 
to increase yes. membership? It's it's a fantastic question. This is the heart of everything that uh, I brought when I approached a board position. Because um, fundamentally, like I said, when I when we when we started this conversation, um, I was on the outside for a very long time, and our club was very small, and it was very hard to enter in. Right, it's very hard to enter into any clique that you're not part of, especially if you're a little bit more uh, maybe introverted like myself, and if you're not good at something. It's also very hard to enter into something where people are good and you are not. And when we when I, when I kind of came into the whole concept of can we make this better? How do we make this better? What do we do as a club to grow? It was answering the question that you just asked. Everything everything is is irrelevant if you don't have membership, and if you don't have people, and if you don't have a community, you don't get uh, Justin and Elizabeth if you don't have two hundred members. You can't ever find those people because those people don't know the sport exists and they don't know uh, who to connect with if they do play a little bit. And so it's, it's a chicken and an egg, but really 100%, it's, it's, it's all about people and it's all about membership. It's one of the reasons that I pay so much respect to everybody that came before the current board for 20, 25 years, because they kept a community alive, although it was a small community uh, with its own challenges, they kept it alive. They kept that, that little baby. Um, warm and safe so it had a chance to start to grow uh so when i look at when i looked at it and, and we started to plan okay what do we want the kdc to be what are we trying to accomplish it's very hand in hand with disc golf in general which is hashtag grow the sport it's the whole concept that we want to take this thing to a professional level and so when we look at growing our community it's not one thing it's it's all of the things we do put together it's how we go about doing things and not just doing something, but it's how we approach it. So uh, a few big pieces that kind of come, come to mind just in this conversation um, are our brand, our professionalism. What do we represent when we are out there? And I'm not just talking about the board. I'm talking about all of us. Are we warm? Are we welcoming? Or are we, are we cold, right? Are we inclusive? Or are we exclusive, right? Do we talk to people when we're on the course that are new players? Or do we just kind of ignore them? throw a 350 foot drive and let them throw their 20 foot drive and just pretend like they're kind of in our way. And this is a shift that, that from a niche sport to something that is, that is community driven has to change. And we are changing, but we can do more work here. We can get better at this uh, because that's going to be the first touch to that player, that person gets. And if it doesn't exist or if it's not positive, if it's not warm, that person's not going to ever approach the club. Uh, it might be years before they come into a, a a league night, right? Most of the people that come to league night are friends with somebody who already plays. It's not typically people stumbling off the course who are already playing, who don't know anybody. And so this is something that we, we want to and need to change. We have to, we have to make sure that we're representing uh, what, we, what we look for and what we would want uh, when people approach us. And this is just kind of common sense stuff, but it's, it's something that we forget when we're there just to play our round that, hey, these people don't know how to play yet, and they probably want to. They're probably inspired or in awe of us, uh, but they're intimidated to talk to us. And so this, this is kind of the brand that needs to grow, and this is so much of what we've done um, in tournaments and in shifting league to new players. Doubles is maybe a little bit more for the competitive group uh, and having more tournaments for the more competitive group and making league more about new players. It's more about giving away prizing. It's more about putting more, more money in more people's pockets if they're winning. 
but making sure that it's handicap driven. So those new people that aren't good players can, can participate. Uh, so, so the brand is huge. How we represent with the city of Kamloops is part of this equation, right? If we're not, if we're not working collaboratively with the city and every user group in all of our parks, I don't, it doesn't matter if you don't like them. It doesn't matter if they're a grumpy neighbor or if they're somebody, some other park user that's just going for the run. If we interact with them in a, in a negative way, that, that tarnishes our brand, that, that hurts the club and it hurts our sport. These are the things that we all should be thinking about. Uh, and this is the approach that we took. So that's the single biggest thing that we can all do to make this thing grow and okay. continue to grow. I, I might be t- preempting one of your points here, but okay, you, we, we want a brand that is welcoming. For me, it's how do people become aware of Kamloops Disc Golf Club? Because there are so many people playing out there and some will be inquisitive and look to see if there's a tournament in town. Um, but if you've got a family, because, and I, I just wrote down here and you'll probably say, okay, yeah, you can run that next year, Clive. But, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got the two thumbs up because I have lots of ideas, but, you know, everybody has ideas. It's a matter of acting on those ideas. But I've seen lots of families out there, yeah, like, you know, young kids. I've seen grandparents, parents. Uh, young, you know, young adults with their with their little kids and their little kids just trucking it twenty feet, and then she picks it up and then walks, follows the parents down, and then gets and then puts it. How do we get those people that just hey, there's a disc golf course? I'll go to because now, as you say, Canadian Tire is selling disc uh, discs. Um, so Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Bigfoot trading. You know, yeah. um, you can you can pick up discs. And they not be, you know, they're probably perfect for the beginner discs as well. Some of these little pre-made boxes you can get. So they're going into stores, buying discs, not necessarily into a disc golf store where they're going to get the information about the club. I've got, this is very long-winded, but how, how do we, how do we get the brand out there? Totally. And, and it's, it's, it's the same question from a different angle. Uh, and I appreciate that. And my, my, my first answer is going to be the same as the one I just had, and I'll, I'll reiterate it in a slightly different perspective. And then there's a couple other notes I just took um, that I'll okay. touch on too. Um, but fundamentally, the game, that, the game that we're looking to play, it's, it, here's a disc golf reference. We're not looking to try to ace the hole. We're looking to try to lay out for a birdie. We're playing the long game. We're not playing the short game. And when, when I'm talking about community, when I'm talking about that family that you see, what I want and what I would encourage everybody to do is to go introduce yourself to that family and have a conversation. That is key because here's the reality. Before you started playing, there was no podcast. Yeah. Right. Before Carrie started playing, there was nobody doing the million things that she does. Right. What we want as we grow, what will happen naturally as we grow, if we're inviting to these people is that out of every 10 to, to 20 to 50 people, there's going to be one person who wants to run a tournament. There's going to be one person who wants to start a podcast. There's going to be one person who wants to take over maintenance. There's going to be one person who knows how to market better than I do, who can run our marketing division and get better at it and build upon what we've got. We can't go find those people. We can grow our membership by being inviting and talking to people one person at a time. It's actually mind blowing how much better and faster that is than, than most people realize rather than just throwing a radio ad on the radio and saying, Hey, come join the KDC. 
that that'll help, but that's not as powerful as, as us taking our eyes off of ourselves individually. And we're playing around sometimes and just introducing ourselves to that person who's got five kids on the course um, and saying, Hey, I'm Thomas. Who are you? How long have you been playing? Can I give you some advice? And that changes everything. That is, that is the single biggest thing we can do hands down. And, and uh, there's nothing else we can do that's going to compare. Now, there, there, are, there are a few things that, that we can do that are being done that are a little bit more strategic to try to grow our membership. Uh, anybody who's seen Rose Hill and, and, and Mac Park in the last two years, uh, our new kiosk signs, uh, getting our signage unified across all of our parks, all of the T signs, all of our core signs is the same with write-ups of the course, with QRs to the KDGC website. So people that are playing that might not have to, to talk to anybody still have access to that information. And those are things we can do. And those are things we are doing. Um, the other piece of that is growing, growing uh, our courses, right? This is a huge conversation. Every time I get together with anybody who, who's uh, running another club, the single biggest topic is always courses. Funnily enough, it's not membership. That's, that's still a little bit of a thing that needs to change across our, our, our sport. Uh, but courses are huge because without courses, people can't play. Carrie, I think you wanted to say something. You look like you did. I just wanted to say, um, I think going along with what Thomas was saying, um, as a disc golfer, you have to remember where you came from, how you started, and that you can inspire people. So, um, you know, when you're out there and you're being positive and you're playing and you look approachable and you're having fun, people will stop and watch you or they'll say, oh, hey, that was cool. Or you can hear families saying, oh, my God, did you see that person? Throw? Oh, look at their, they're going to throw with that basket thing, those metal things. And that's that's an opening for you as a player to turn around and be like, hey, do you want to try? Or, oh, have you heard of disc golf? Have you seen it before? Like really being in tune, like I'm talking, of course, recreationally, right? Like you're not yeah. out there playing in a tournament. Um, I remember my very first interaction with Thomas and it was very much like that. And I don't know if I was teaching a clinic. I don't know what I was doing, but Thomas was there with his children on hole one at Mac Island and his wife had parked the van as close as she could because their baby was in the van and she left it running with the air conditioning and the baby was sleeping and she popped out to say hello to me. And I just remember Thomas being so engaging and me talking to him and his little girl being just, she was staring at me and I was talking to her and she was so taken by the sport and throwing the disc and putting. And I just, I, I, I fell in love with what she was because she was excited for what I was showing her. And I think we need to, as disc golfers, even if it's one day out of your month, take on that persona of being inspiring while you're on the course. And I think organically, you'll attract more people than you would trying to, like he said, go on the radio or put out a newspaper ad or do a commercial. Um, I'm going to give yeah. another shout out to Elizabeth here because okay. the Valkyries are the women's group yep. under KDGC. Yep. She has these little business cards. Yes. And I've been there and she, if she sees a female player playing golf, it's like, excuse me a minute. And she goes over to them and says, hi, introduces herself and says, Hey, you know, there's a, you know, there's a women's group you're interested and there's a business card. It's got a QR code on it. 
and um, information. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I think that's very cool. It's very and, cool. And and I you know I could make a ton of suggestions tonight, you know, and it would be like, okay, Clive, come join the board, and put those into play, which you to do right. But that would be cool to have. You know, you give everybody five business cards or 10 business cards, you know, when they get their membership and just say, hey, if you see someone playing disc golf, see, and it can just be a general thing, KDGC, link to the Here's, website. Exactly. Know. So one of the most successful membership drives we ever did back in the day was we got T-shirts made with the club logo on them and half a dozen of us gave up our Saturday. We weren't going to go play. It was only Rose Hill. It's the only course we had. We got a table and we got brochures printed and we got back in the day, you did it on paper, join the club and give us money. And um, we sat from like 10 in the morning till four in the afternoon at Rose Hill, just outside a hole one. And we talked to every single person and we counted and we did it Saturday and we did it Sunday. And I remember counting for the city. We had over five hundred people go through that we talked to and we had 35 people in our club at that time and after that we went up to 70 people so you know like was it impactful I think so like at least we talked to 500 people and after that the city actually put a counter in um in the old layout of old 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 Rose Hill where you by the tennis courts where the outhouse is right now, there's an opening in the tennis courts that takes you to hole eight's basket. That used to be the entrance to hole one. And they put a counter on there. And in the height of summer, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there would be a count of like over 2,000 walkthroughs in that counter. Not, we don't know if they're individual, if they're multiple, we don't know. But that's a lot of park use. Yeah. And I really, I still, I still feel like face-to-face, -face, because we are that sport, we're not, you know, we're not soccer. We're not basketball. We're not baseball. We're not something that families think about as a, oh, hey, let's invest our money and our time as a family into this sport. But, you know, you take a look yet. at. Yet. We're not there yet. Yes. yet. Well. Exactly. But you look at the <laughs> Hiltons, right? You look at Cody and Amy and they have Fisher and Fisher just turned 11. And yesterday <laughs> he played a 16 down and came in third and ma2 i believe so like he's 11 years old like we've got we've mm -hmm. got this generation of young players that want to do well this generation of parents who are playing as well who want to involve their families but it's how do you convince a family that goes to rivershore or has a pass for their family to kamloops gulf and country or they're all involved in soccer and no one has time or you know it's we're still a sport that sits on the outside at least in Canada we are like in yeah. the U.S. it's a bigger deal they have population density and they also have course density up here it's difficult and Thomas and I and the board have talked about this a lot but I'm going to push for our board to do a face-to-face -face in the park behind a table meet us talk to us ask questions and I I feel like I feel like we could have like a, a community impact that way and I think it's necessary in the day and age of technology and what we're doing right now. We're sitting here on Zoom. We're all looking yeah. at each other on Zoom. And, and Clive, I saw you yeah. yesterday. Thomas, I don't know the last time I saw you in person. But face-to-face, -face, you tend to have more of an impact than you do through technology. And Absolutely. I don't ever want that to go away. And I think disc golf, we always say community, right? It's a community. It's family. It's, well, 
you need to be together to make that happen and actually grow. So that's kind of my little, I hope. I can, can I, <laughs> can I dovetail off that? I'm sure yeah. you got a pile of questions, Clive, but. Oh, no, I, wanna... I've just got a couple of themes to go through and we, we, you know, cool. um, go ahead. Cool. So absolutely. And Carrie is bang on. We, we've been, we've been talking about this. This is the conversation we have. Um, we had one really great last year in uh, Westside. We did, we did an event like Carrie's talking about. We moved league out there, but we had the table set up the entire time. And the amount of people that we, we just chatted with, uh, there was people that had never played uh, disc golf before that actually signed up for a membership just to support yeah. the club uh, at that event last, last fall. So um, absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's pretty incredible when you start getting a whole bunch of people that are excited about sharing it, sharing it because the grassroots connection happens uh, and the community grows. And as the community grows, it, it, it impacts more and more people. Uh, you won't convince, you won't convince that family that goes to river shore, but you can impact somebody in that family so much that they love the sport that they bring their whole family out. That's how you get the whole family uh, into the, into the sport and onto the course. Um, but one of the things that, that the themes that you guys are talking about regarding growing the sport, things like, like Carrie said, printing out t-shirts, um, making uh, business cards, setting a table up, having marketing materials, having courses to do this in, uh, these things all cost money. Uh, and one of the things that was, was a, one of the biggest changes that we made when we started to shift towards growth was we increased our membership fee from what was forever, uh, I believe $20, Carrie. Uh, we took it to $30, a big jump. I mean, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek. It wasn't, but for maybe a young person who's playing disc golf, free to play sport, it, it is not nothing, uh, that $10 difference. And so that $30 was something that that was a bridge we had to cross. And the idea behind it, uh, and in the last year and a half, we've, we've introduced green fees into tournaments that are running on the courses that our club pays to maintain, cutting the grass, putting up signage, building new features. Um, that's, all, that's all money out of our club's pocket. And our club is a nonprofit. We don't make money. Our income comes from primarily one source, which is our membership fees. We have fundraising, but that's typically focused on specific projects, i.e. we want to build a new course. Uh, we know it's going to be $25,000. I'm talking about Dick Hart, of course. And so most of that comes from fundraising. We simply don't have enough money coming from memberships to even come close to ever pay for a new course install. So point being, uh, bringing professionalism into what we're doing uh, and things like increasing our membership fee to $30, which is probably still on the light side of if you look at clubs across North America, a lot of them are sitting at $50 for their membership um, and putting green fees in place. A lot of people ask questions. Why do you guys have green fees? That kind of seems weird. Why would you have a green fee? And it's, it's, again, it's that disconnect between our sport being a free to play niche sport and every other sport in the world. Go walk into any golf yeah. course and it's a minimum of $40 for a green fee up to 200 for one round. We're talking about green fees specifically only for tournaments. And so these things start to allow us to have funds to buy a new KDGC tent or a table wrap uh, to make a swag that has branding on it so we can use it for marketing uh, and new signs on the course. They're not free. We pay for all of them. And so these are the things that, that require a little bit more professionalism and a little bit more serious in it, seriousness when it comes to things like membership fees. And I just wanted to take a minute to talk about that. If, if our members locally are listening uh, that's a question I get more frequently than any other question is why do we have green fees? 
Um, and it's not green fees for every player. It's green fees specifically just for tournaments yeah. and courses that we maintain. So it's, it's not, it's not a lot, but it's still the single biggest question that I get. Uh, and it's because we need to have as a club enough money to run the club. And if there's no money, the resources dry up and signage fall apart. Courses fall apart. Courses are maintained and things regress. And so, you, yeah, go ahead, Gary, go ahead. I was going to say, everybody thinks that Katie, like we have a fantastic uh, relationship with the city of Kamloops and everybody is under the impression the city of Kamloops does everything for the KDGC. They pay our bills and they don't, and they come on board for tournaments. They, oh, they mow, they help us that way. But on the day-to-day -day upgrades and upkeep, when you see Adam Bruno out there mowing Rose Hill, it's on his volunteer time with a mower that we bought, with fuel that we're buying, with the permission of the city that we're allowed to be there. So the city is there and they help us with some of our maintenance and some of our bills, but the day-to-day -day stuff that happens on all the courses, that has to do with, um, with the club and what Thomas is talking about. So I wanted to clear that up because we've had people say, oh, green fees, you're not Raptors Knoll. Well, no, we're not, we're not Raptors Knoll, but we still have to pay to do everything up there. We still have to buy our own mowers. We still have to buy the fuel and, you know, the signage that goes out. And you think about TCO, like a lot of that, the small intricacies of TCO, the club paid for. Like, so that's where green fees come in. And I just, I'd really like to, I just wanted to clarify that because I've been working with the city for years and um, yeah, that's just. It's, it's an important, it's an important topic to hit on. It and is, it's one of the absolutely. biggest shifts that, that becoming more professional requires. And I, I know sometimes it's a hard one to, to swallow. It's one of the things that, that I've talked to a lot of the other clubs that I've talked to about different things. How do we grow? How do we do with some of what you guys are doing in the KDC and, and the reality is you have to approach it with a little bit more of a business mentality. Um, if, if you don't have enough funds to run the business, the business will die. Yeah. And uh, nonprofits, the same thing. Uh, and gosh, Carrie, you're talking about other people. I, I mean, everybody who's played in Canlis knows what Rose Hill is and everybody knows what hole two is. Yeah. And there's a certain feature on, 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 on hole two that's renowned nationwide. Uh, it's a giant pyramid structure. Yeah. Uh, Carrie and her husband, Craig built it. Um, on their own dime, on their own yeah, time. Paid for it. Yeah, we built and, it. We paid for it. Yeah. And so, and that was from a time when the club didn't have enough money to put features in. Yeah. And so, the difference is, we just installed the Mando, uh, the triple Mando, in hole ten up at Rose. That was something the club has the funds today to pay for. Yes, it was a ton of work, and Zach and his team orchestrated that. Um, and we actually got some sponsorship fundraising after we had a plan to build it, which is awesome. Yeah. And that's fantastic uh, from one of our players that that wanted to sponsor that hole. Uh, and that's Bryce, but uh, having the funds to be able to build these type of features and uh, improve our courses are what keep people excited about playing. So it's a critical yeah. part to the whole thing. And it, uh, it's common knowledge in Kamloops. Like we're talking about it. People know about it. Our membership knows the city of Kamloops is going to put concrete tea pads in at Rose Hill. It's been said a million times. So just because they're dropping the bill for concrete tea pads, which is, and I am so grateful they are because that is tens and twenties of thousands of dollars that we don't have but just because they pay that bill doesn't mean they pay all the bills and that has to be really clear like we have to bring the proposal to the city we have to ask them for those funds it has to be cleared it's just not a 
hey, what do you guys want this year? Oh yeah, good. You can't have it. No, we have to actually. It's a lot of work. Why we need yeah. it. We have to propose it to the city. So um, it's it it's something that needs to be discussed. And I'm glad we're talking about it tonight because we're, we, we're lucky. Yeah. We brag about it. We brag about our relationship with the city, but people need to know that it's not a it's not an open checkbook. Yeah. We're, we're lucky to live in the tournament capital of Canada because Absolutely. there is a big emphasis on sports. And I think we'll find, because I worked with the Youth Soccer Association, and the bigger the events, the more they give you. Absolutely. The more participants you have, the more they give you. So suddenly there are 400 members here and we're getting 600 for an A-tier tournament, plus the 600, but they're bringing their 400 other people coming in. You know, they look at it per person. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's um, and it's good if we can grow the membership, then we're going to get that. So we've talked about courses and the maintenance of courses. Um, we in Kamloops are very lucky to have two great and very different 18 full 18 hole courses. Absolutely. That, are, that depending, like I used to think Mac was easier than Rose. Nope. Rose well, are easier than Mac. Well, I understand. Yeah. For the, as a beginner, because yeah. you could see everything and you didn't like hole number three at Rose Hill for it's a beginner gross. for a beginner player it's gross it's like oh my god beginner player yeah it was it was marked as a par three this weekend at 250 oh, uh, feet i was yeah. so excited to get a four <laughs> yeah well i treated four as a par on that one i felt like um, i eagled it <laughs> um but you know so and then you've got holes like hole 12 which is probably the most hated hole in Kamloops is hole 12 on Rose Probably Hill. in BC. Yep. Yeah. Um, and on my second round, I parked it 18 feet away. Beauty. I missed the birdie part, but that's fine. It was like, like a par on 12. It's like a birdie. That's one of my most favorite holes I've ever played. Just as a, <laughs> as a side note. And I'm not, I'm not a good player by any stretch, you're just, but you're just a masochist. That's your problem. I, no, I'm just, to be honest, I mean, this, I know this isn't the topic of this, this particular yeah. uh, podcast, but I, I think that the high technical holes are the best holes in our sport um, by far. Uh, I mean, if you can drop it next to the basket on a good throw, Clive, and I can too, with a buzz, how can you say that's one of the, the worst holes? Well, it's like the challenge, the challenge is you can't do it 10 times out of 10 because it's technically very difficult. Yeah. So improve your technical. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> neither here nor there, but, but that's no, how I look okay. at it. I, look at I, it as a fun I, challenge. I prefer, um, because I'm not a bomber. So <laughs> yeah. like sure. a four, a 400 foot hole, I'm playing with a four, I know it was 14 or 15 year old kid from Calgary. Hi. And it's, I think it's 500, yeah, 14, 14, 510 foot hole, number 16 <laughs> on Rose Hill. Yeah. He puts it pin high just short of out of bounds yeah now a great i mean a great shot but i don't have that ability so i would <laughs> i prefer the you know if you're playing someone with a bomber like if i'm playing we'll mention justin devries again on the show if i'm playing with <laughs> justin who can bomb it yeah then um i'd rather play it i'd rather play him on a, a wooded course yeah you know totally because technically like- more skilled Anybody yeah. can hit a tree. 
You know, Speaking it, of wooded courses, Dick Hart's going to be the ultimate wooded course in town, that's for sure. And, lo- and long as well. Anyway, so let's get to courses. We were, sorry. Let's do it. Uh, my, my mind goes off on tangents. Kerry's out of wine uh, <laughs> and, and yawning. Um, so we've got two, eight, two beautiful 18-hole courses. Very different. I mean, it's awesome for a tournament. You play one and you go another. We've got a nine-hole um, short course, I'll call it, which is great for practicing those just straight shots um i haven't seen anyone shoot nine down at west side yet if anyone has let us know so it's not that easy (laughs) no no it isn't easy it's just shorter and there's some tricky little holes lines yeah Yeah. there might be one or two on the udis stats maybe maybe okay maybe i'll I'll check it later and let you know but maybe so now i heard a rumor on sunday that dick hart is going to be worked on fairly soon. My question is, will it be how ready? Do these, for, how do these rumors start? Will it be Maybe. ready? Kerry, <laughs> will it be ready for October? Uh, October? For the, where, we've got a scheduled event there. Uh, how, how, how much are you going to hold me to my answers? <laughs> no, nothing. Okay, no. at, at the KDGC, okay. at the KDGC, we like to under-promise and over-deliver, Clive. So, yeah, so. no. No. I'm a project okay. manager. Remember, I'm a project manager. Dates yeah. are important. Um, okay. It will be ready in October. Um, we got some really good news. Uh, it's a long process. For those who don't know, this process has been over two years now. Um, and this process has included huge proposals to the government, uh, land utilization, First Nations uh, clearances on uh, utilization of the land. Um groundwork and obviously uh, tree removal that we have to do to build a course and multiple signatures across multiple divisions uh, at the district level in government, as well as the um, other land users. In this case, it's the Rayleigh Softball Association that needed to approve all of it. So it's been a slow process with a lot of individuals, unfortunately longer than we would have hoped, um, but doing things properly typically requires that. So um, we've got our final signature in place, uh, it should be processed this coming week. And so from there, the work can start being planned out and commenced. Uh, as much as everybody's probably frustrated about it, baskets will be the last thing that go into the ground um, because when we're out there building it, we don't want people to come out and start trying to play it. Um, and that's, that's something we've learned from past mistakes of putting baskets in before the rest of the course is completed. People come out, work for two hours and then play. So, Baskets are the last piece to go in, uh, but the the fairway layouts have already been done. The whole layouts, the par is 90% set uh, as we continue to shape out what all the fairways are going to look like and then set the pars from there. It's probably going to adjust, but this course should be approximately about a thousand feet longer than rose as far as playing um, and should be pads. from blues right? yeah. at rose, correct, uh, and should be a few more par fours than we're used to seeing even rows in its long position. So, uh, but it's all in the forest. There's some great views. There's uh, some really, really cool holes that we're hoping to be able to build. And then it's just executing it. So uh, I know a lot of people have expressed interest and we already got a list of those people that have said they want to come out and work on it. Um, and the first few, the first few work sessions are going to be small and very meticulous. Um, and once we get kind of the general uh, foundation laid then we'll bring in bigger work parties and, and continue through the summer to really 
kind of do all the general stuff and it'll be putting pads down and then lastly putting baskets in and then we can all um have a glass of wine celebrate and play some disc golf um so it's going to be a huge accomplishment uh as far as this course going in the ground and like i said it the 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 final signature is being processed this week and so we are still behold to that we can't move before that's done um so there's that last piece that's not fully in our hands but but it is approved from the group that needs to approve it so processing is what's required that's good news yes good news. it's great news yeah. really <clears throat> um are there going to be you mentioned there'll be blue tea pads three tea pads two tea, tea red and blue to start with thoughts of so golds in round one will be a single set and it's going to be the blue set okay um and from there we will plan we've already started to plan out what the reds could look like um but obviously funds and time are both requirements that are needed for multiple sets of pads um where that's placed in the forest we're really leaning towards uh, we'll probably put in some temporary pad material uh for the first season so we can make sure before we put concrete down it is exactly what we want it to be um and that's that's gonna be some game time decisions as we move through that process but um a full set of pads is like Carrie said for rose it's tens of thousands of dollars to do properly so for every set blue red gold it's 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 another chunk of uh money that needs to be fundraised or or, or gotten from the club and this course is not on city land so there is zero funding outside of what yeah. we can provide as a club meaning fundraising our, is critical i think to date thomas our club has raised thirty thousand dollars for this course i think is what the total is so, and that's with zero funding from the city, from the, everyone says it's the TNRD. TNRD has not given us anything. That is 100% club driven to the Canadian disc golf community for buying discs and buying sponsorships and sponsoring yep. pools and tee pads. That's what that is. Cool. Absolutely. Um, and it's going to be fantastic. So it's going to be a big achievement because having that third course in town uh, and it's only, it's only, from the outside of Kamloops, it's it's ten minutes from from the edge of Kamloops to the course. It's it's about fifteen minutes from kind of downtown, ish, maybe twenty, depending on how you drive. But uh, it's it's close. So having those three courses in proximity allows us to do some really cool things with tournaments that we're just about able to do right now. But it's a little bit challenging. So I know Carrie's smiling because she's she's the main she's one of the biggest TDs in in Canada. Um, so she's excited about that process prospect and i know that for sure it really opens up some doors for us so definitely yeah we've got some wrap-up questions we'll do um that we do with all our guests after i've got one final question for you so what is your um general and i know the answer is going to be positive because you 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 can't be negative being the president of the kdgc (laughs) um but how do you feel about the direction the club's headed in and disc golf in Kamloops? Good question. Um, good would be my, my knee-jerk answer. That's an easy one to say. We're moving in the right direction. Um, my more complex answer would be it's so easy to lose what we have. And if we're not continuing, we're not at a place in our sport and in our club and in our community, all three, where we can take the foot off the gas. And what I mean by that is if somebody does something in soccer, that's a little bit of a scandal. It doesn't hurt soccer. Soccer doesn't care. Soccer's past the point of no return of being an established brand. 
a positive thing. People love it. There's a yeah. following. There's lots of people that play it casually and professionally. Everybody in the world knows what soccer is. Some people call it football, but you know what I mean? Disc golf isn't there yet. And our club and our community in Kamloops isn't there yet. And so what happens if a scandal rocks our world? Everything we've spent so much time building can crumble. And so this can be, this can be bad interactions with the city of Kamloops at a local level. Um, this could be um, player level and, and two people have a quarrel that becomes a big deal. When I say a big deal, I mean more than just something that's in between the two of them. Um, this can be something uh, at, a, at a bigger level, at a, at a national level, which we have very little control over. Um, but if we're not representing a professional, uh, positive, encouraging, and growth-oriented brand uh, continuously with effort, uh, we can regress. We can go backwards. We can lose a course just like that if we are not conscientious and aware of what's happening around us, uh, being great stewards of our courses. If we had really one really bad interaction, we could lose any one of our courses right now. Absolutely. It, it could be one interaction. Smoking is a big one. And I'm just going to be right out there. Yep. Uh, 2017, maybe someone threw a cigarette butt out on Rose Hill across the road and up from the mailboxes and started a fire. And Facebook lit up with all the ignorant disc golfers out there. You should rip their course out. All they do is smoke. All I see is them being rude smokers and it's just like a cloud of smoke out there. And it was like, it was up the hill and on the opposite side, but we got this huge paintbrush smeared across us. And I tell people all the time that disc golf is a privilege. It is not a right. And it's a privilege that the city of Kamloops can take away in the snap of a finger. Yeah, we told own, we that. They've literally told our club that. So yep. we have to be on our toes. And when you become a KDGC member, you're the face of our club. People look at you to do the right thing, to follow the rules, follow the bylaws. Um, and yeah, we're hard on you. We expect you to tell people, pick up your trash, don't smoke. I had to do it on Friday when we were there for the get in, get out, get ready. I had to stop some players in the parking lot and say, hey, you know what? I get that you need to smoke, but could you finish it right here in the parking lot? Because that's a tinderbox. And actually inside parks, there's no smoking or vaping. None. Not yeah. my rules, but you know. So it and I, Thomas, you're so right. And scandals as a PDGA event, as a PDGA coordinator, like if I don't follow the PDGA rules and someone writes into the PDGA, I lose my ability to run tournaments. Our club loses their ability to host tournaments. And that becomes a, a black mark on us in the disc golf community. And everything we work so hard for to have 400 players come to Calumps for can be stripped from us so fast. And when that happens, then the city says, hey, we're not interested in working with you anymore. And they don't MOMAC anymore. And they don't let us have permits for events in parks. So it's a quick spiral. Like, so, like he said, something goes bad in soccer, they don't pull your soccer field from you and be like, oh, your U8s can't play this weekend because that coach swore. Like, it doesn't happen like that. But we're not, all, we're not at that point yet. We're not at that point yet. We really need to be on our toes and park stewards. I can't like, yeah, we can't say it enough. Like if you're out there disc golfing, you need to be 
a piece of that park and proud of it. And if you want it to stay there, take care of it. Absolutely. I, yeah. Um, go ahead, Clash. I, well, I was going to say, um, I think to me, one of the main things that could happen to put disc golf on the map and in the minds of people across the world is if it is ever accepted as an Olympic sport being worked on uh, yeah I, I know but if it once it's on the you know people are seeing it around the world yeah and then you know so yeah here's why here's why i i got into disc golf at a board level position um because i've never seen a sport i played lots of sports growing up at a high level some of them and there's nothing that comes close to what disc golf is and can be uh, a free-to-play activity that the entire family from five years old to 95 years old can play. Something that's got a professional edge, it's got an easy growth or learning curve to get up to a playable level, but then becomes very challenging to get to a professional level. Um, something that is uh, a clean and warm sport that no matter, no matter how you're built, uh, no matter what gender you are, no matter um, what right or left-handed, it doesn't matter. You can play what this sport and that's incredible. Like that's, there's nothing else that does what disc golf does full stop uh, from a free to play perspective to a professional perspective. And it's incredible. It's just new. That's the challenge that it's got. So um, that's why I got involved with the whole grow the sport piece, because I want disc golf to be an Olympic sport, but, but beyond that, it's going to be, there's no other Olympic sport that a five-year-old and a 95 year old can play except for disc golf when it becomes an Olympic sport and it's not an if it's for sure when, yeah. um, because it will become, I mean, we're not even talking about economics, but long-term things are more expensive than ever. And golf is not inexpensive, but disc golf is free to play. Once you have your discs, like what the trend is looking at and the amount of our course utilization that we see through you stats and some of our other stats that we have is that more and more and more people, like thousands of people in Canada are playing disc golf even though we've only got a, a, a club of 200 people um, three years ago, that wasn't the case five years ago. That for sure was not the case, right? You've got companies, you've got uh, local companies selling this. You've got brand companies building manufacturing discs and baskets and, and you've got marketing companies that are putting it on YouTube and, and online, like in general, we're moving very quickly in the right direction and it's a juggernaut, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, it for sure is a juggernaut. Uh, what it will do across the board in 20 years, it may be one of the most recognizable sports in the world. That's my own personal optimism, maybe projecting into disc golf a little bit, but this is our trend of our club too. So on the flip side, on the positive side, sorry, I just want to finish this thought. Yeah, no, no um, go ahead. What we're looking at with the city, I just talked about all the challenging things. We can lose it in a heartbeat, which is very true. Um, but on the flip side, we've been working hard with the city uh, in collaboration with the city in the last two years uh, with multiple board members talking to the multiple city members, sometimes on a weekly basis, um, we are looking at more land for more courses. We are looking at putting in another nine hole. We're looking at we getting an 18 hole gold at some point. We don't have it picked yet. We haven't got that plan in place yet, but we are actively working with the city because we've been good stewards, because we've been exactly. growing our, our club, because we've been hosting huge tournaments. Thank you, Terry and Chad. Um, we've got the city's eye. We've got their ear, and they're being collaborative right now. So although we can lose it in a heartbeat, and, and we are that close at all times right now until our sport is bigger and our club is bigger, we have to be conscientious about our brand. 
we are on the good side of the equation because of what we've done in the last handful of years. And it's going to be awesome. And we've got that scale just balanced so well right now of being great park stewards and having the city watch us and see what we're doing. And it can go either way. We can throw another fantastic, huge tournament and blow their socks off and have the scale tip in that direction and have them hand us this premium piece of land that might be sitting there that we don't know about. Or we could have someone really screw it up and the scale tips that way. And I say someone, it only takes one person. It'll only take one person for disc golf to go down the tubes in Kamloops. And it just needs to be someone that flicks a cigarette butt out on a, in a parking lot or someone and, that's smoking or. And on, know, on that. It, go ahead, Thomas. On that, just because it's, it's really important. And it was just, I lost it. And then I just got it back. Um, it doesn't have to be someone throwing a cigarette butt out. How we talk about our sport and represent it. When we're on a course, how are we talking to the city worker that happens to be on the course? Exactly. Uh, when we're talking to each other, how are we talking about some drama in the sport that we heard about? Uh, these are the things that are going to be uh, important and, and could lead to awesome or really not awesome situations. And we all have to be conscientious of this. Uh, there can be a lot of things we can complain about in our sport. I mean, you yeah. could be frustrated with a person, a tournament, a TD. Gosh, if you've never TD a tournament, I don't think you have the right to say anything about anybody <laughs> TDing tournaments, but it could be a TD. It could be a store. It could be a situation that you order something. Maybe you didn't get what you wanted in the disc golf world. Like any of these things can become controversy. And then you can take that and you could take that onto the course and take that to the city. And, and so it's not just a cigarette, but it's not just an action like that. Yeah. It's, it's the, sure. the controversy piece and yep. uh, find the reason to, uh, find the reason why it's right and not why it's wrong when, when things happen, because they will, people are people, humans are humans, uh, and, and crap happens. Reframe like, it. Um, absolutely. This is really important. Hydro yeah. came in and, and did some hydro work. Um, we, we, part of, part of, we had some bad situations there. We had some good situations there. Um, but the reality is that they have the right away on that land and this is Rosehill obviously. And so, we need to reframe it. We need to, okay, if we have to rebuild a hole or two, we have to rebuild a hole or two. And that's just yeah. the way it's going to be able to be better when we're done. Um, it just sucks today. And that's fine versus and, complaining about it. So I just wanted to point that out because controversy sure. is, is, is huge and um, crap happens and how we decide to frame it is critical. Um, and, and if you're out there and you feel the need to represent our club uh, by speaking to someone, we discourage it. Um, and if you want to know what to do in a situation or you have a concern, KDGC board, B-O-A-R-D at gmail.com. Please reach out to us before you start speaking to city staff or hydro staff or somebody in the park that you think shouldn't be there or you're having an interaction, you're not sure how to deal with. Please let us, let our board represent sport in Kamloops that's what we're here for that's what that's what we're elected for and that's what's going to keep the positive communication open it's been 23 years that we've worked with the city we want to keep that for like another 100 years so we encourage you to reach out to us first please okay let's get on to a okay a few light questions to to wrap up here um but thank you for all that information Thomas much appreciated um so you're going out you can, you can pick a five some if you want to, because many people have, but you're going out with a group to play any course you want. You can pick pros, you can pick friends. 
who do you want to go out with? Who would you, who is your dream card? Oh man, that's a question I've never thought about. That's a cool question. Who's my dream card? Um, so, okay. I'll pick five. Um, two guys local and, and two guys I've never met. Okay. Uh, and, and the two guys local would be, uh, Darren and a lot of people know who Darren is. Um, I got him in playing disc golf and him and I played a lot in the last three years. I played with him more than any other person ever. Uh, the guy who got me into disc golf is, is one of the Lafayette brothers. His name is Ben. Um, his brother was on the board for a long time, did a ton of maintenance. Um, but so Ben and Darren, uh, and then probably Simon and Paul. Why? Because those are the two players that I most look up to and respect at, at a professional level. Um, the moment I, I started watching YouTube, I don't watch a lot of YouTube and disc golf. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I have three young kids, um, but I'll watch Simon's content before anybody else's. There's nobody that I've, I've seen, I've never met him. That is more, I think a little bit like myself and being a little bit more introverted. At least that's what I get from watching his stuff. Kind, warm, um, and just really kind of a cool person, but also a really, really great professional player. Uh, absolutely. And has a ton of fun while he does it, which is how I play the sport too. Just not nearly at the same kind of level. Um, and, and, and then Paul, and for different reasons, um, for me, everything I've talked about is professionalism so far in this whole talk, everything that I brought into our board and everything that we've tried to do is how do we move our sport into a professional light? How do we become a real sport and pull our club along and grow our, our club, our brand, all of it in a professional way. And I don't know that I've seen anybody represent disc golf at a professional level, like an athlete uh, as much as Paul, when I started watching the sport up, I mean, his first, he was the first one to get one of the big contracts, right? And everything he's done has been still today. Watch, watch any footage and he's, his shirt's tucked in. I mean, it might seem little, but it matters. Uh, if we're going to ever compete against soccer and uh, traditional ball golf and any other sport, it matters. The professionalism matters. Um, and uh, plus he's not a tall, lanky individual and I'm not either. So <laughs> I love that he can throw a disc the way he can when everybody else is you know, six foot plus and they've got, They've got elastic bands for arms um, and he, he, he's still one of the best. Right. So those would be the two okay. guys just for completely different reasons that I would love to have a round of golf with. Uh, and I would drag along my two buddies because uh, I would want them to meet them too. So there you go. That's cool. That is. I like it. There you go. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that before. So there you go. That's okay. that's off the top of my head. Favorite course you played and the bucket list course you would love to play. It's a big question. Favorite course. I don't, I don't know if I have a favorite. I haven't played too many courses, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still not a, a player that plays a lot of courses. I mean, I, I, I love Rose Hill because it was a course I started playing on. It was the first course I ever played. Um, I'd love to see it completely overhauled and improved in, in a lot of ways, but I, I mean, that's on the top of the list because it's my home course. Um, in general, I really like lush green courses though, with, with clean wooded areas that look like parks underneath. And I've seen some pretty cool videos of courses like, and I couldn't even mention them all, but big wooded uh, with a lot of green grass, like parks with technical shots. I'm not a big giant open field kind of player. I like to play in the, in the woods. So I've seen some really cool courses down, down the West coast. Um, 
at least videos of them that I'll play at some point when my kids grow up and I get out of Canada to play disc golf. So there you go. Is there one course you've seen the pros play that you would like to try? I mean, I'd like to play actually most of them. Um, right. <laughs> not, yeah. not, a, not a specific course. that's like above the rest. It's just, I want to play more courses. Um, absolutely. Sweet. And yeah. the, the last question we have for you, you're going out there, you're playing Rose Hill or Mac or whatever, and you can only play with one disc. What is that disc? Uh, only one disc. Because you might be part of a really cool round of disc golf. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet. Um, it's hard to say this disc for Rose Hill, uh, but it would probably be, if I was one disc on the course, it would probably be my Berg. Um, it's my most go-to disc in my entire bag, hands down. Um, you picked the Berg and the other Thomas we've had on here, he picked his destroyer. Yeah. Well, I don't have a 550 foot to 650 foot arm. So, um, no, the I'd reason like is, is it's a disc that I can control completely and I know exactly what it's going to do. Like there is a, in the term we just played in Edmonton, there's a super technical shot and it was one in 10 to get it around the trees of the big hyzer. There's a tiny little gap up the middle that you could get a perfect shot down probably one in 20. Uh, I threw, I threw it every time I threw it in the tournament was, was for par. And I threw it exactly how I wanted it. 150 feet, 150 feet and drop in for three. Um, that, that is a, that is a smart way to play. Um, Rose Hill's hard to say that cause there's a bunch of big drives in that hill. If I was going to pick a driver to take to that hill, it'd probably be, it'd so probably be my FD. A, but, whole, a whole four at Rose, you take your bag. Whole four at Rose. Yep. That's me as well. And I'm not, I'll throw that. I mean, I'll throw it on lots of holes. Uh, I'll throw it on 10. I sometimes will throw it on 12. Um, I'll throw it on, on, on 14. Um, Like it gets some use, but I'd rather throw a buzz or like a faster mid range on those holes. But yeah, if I had to pick one, I can putt with it. Like it's, it's pretty, I mean, it only goes 150 to 200 feet if I throw it as hard as I can. So that limits you on a course that's got 600 foot holes, but it's a, it's a good disc. It's a primary one in my bag. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for giving up your Sunday evening, Thomas. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This I, is I have one more question oh, for Thomas. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas, will you be yes. running for president of the KDGC for the 2024, 2025 year term? Well, that's it. That's, I don't have an answer for that question yet. There's things I still need to get done. How about okay. that? Okay. How about I say that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> All right. I, I had to ask. <laughs> no, that's a fair question. Um, well, thank you guys for having me. This is, this is a, a more in-depth conversation than I was initially thinking it was going to be. So yeah. hopefully, uh, if like locals are listening Stokely to it. It's like Scott Stokely Langford podcast with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because I talk too much. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I hear what I you're can, saying. I, I can trim it down to 20 minutes. Don't worry. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so that was our chat with Thomas Michael Griffin. I want to thank Thomas again. Uh, he's a really, really good guy, a very smart guy. And um, before I get Kerry's comments, I just want to talk a little bit about Dick Hart because pretty soon after that, um, I went up with you and we walked Dick Hart. Yeah. And some of the fairways you had to kind of imagine. Some it was obvious. Yep. Some you had to imagine. You, you wouldn't have been able to walk around the course and know where you were um, at that point. And that would have been 
late July, I think maybe in August. I can't I remember exactly late when. Late July, yeah. Late July. So the, yeah, we, we recorded this conversation with Thomas in July. But since then, and I'm going to name some people here and uh, Kerry can mention, but we'll start with obviously Thomas, um, Colin, yep. um, Brett, Troy, um, who Matt. else has been up there? Sorry? Matt, Zach. Zach, Matt Mara. Um, these are the people that I've seen that have been working up there because they've gone up Bill. the past. Yeah, Bill, Gabby, mm -hmm. Justin, Elizabeth. Their children. Their children. Yeah, it's yeah. just um, pretty incredible. It, if we're, I'm on a um, Facebook group, which is basically the kind of construction team or yeah, and watching the pictures of how that course transformed has tra been transformed is it was insane. amazing and quickly inside of two and a half weeks the yeah the work got done yeah it was nuts yeah like even myself like just um being up there uh craig and i moved some equipment and craig went and helped with tea pads on friday and just playing the course on friday evening and i hadn't really been on there and I didn't take part in any of the work and I take no credit for any of it. The same um, here. I'm sorry, but I wasn't there. For yeah, I wasn't able to, but from that walkthrough I did with you to playing, the pictures did it no justice. Like it's insane what they were able to carve. And like, we've got a shout out as a club coming to um, a specific individual that uh, volunteered some time and equipment and materials that was absolutely a gift like yeah. insane I know, the, I know the name yeah watch for our social media because we have something special coming for them because it's a very special connection to our club as well so it was very yeah. fun to involve him and um have him excited to see this course grow so yeah very cool but absolute insanity what went into this course inside of two weeks to make it come to life I didn't participate in any of the um, the the work, which I feel a little bit guilty about. Um, maybe I could have made it up if I really said, yeah, I could make it, I made it, but I didn't. Um, so kudos to those that did. And that remind in our conversation, a number of times I'd say, yep, I know you come up with the idea. Yep, you can do that. So it's easy to come up with ideas. It's easy to Absolutely. to say you're going to help, but actually doing that so you know big kudos to those people that step forward and the board as we talked about um the, the board that are doing fantastic work because we all chat about you know if you're not on the board i talk to people oh why why aren't we doing this why why aren't the um baskets being moved on this course now you know they've been here for so long um you know and i'm guilty of that but hey i'm not stepping forward and saying hey I'm willing to move the baskets if you need them moving. And that's, so, that's the big thing, right? Like yeah. people, it's volunteer hours and it's really easy to stand outside the box and look yeah. through and be like, this should be done and that should be done. And why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? Well, because all of them have full-time jobs yeah. and all of them gave up, a good majority of them gave up Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like, eight to 12 hour days and the weekend before and evenings before we were losing light at 6 30 people are up there after work 
I get off at 4.30, I'll be there till dark. You know, I know Thomas was out there by himself one night tamping tea pads until he couldn't see anymore. So, you know, it's, it's really easy to question why stuff didn't get done. What's more admirable is to step up and help get stuff done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, even as a volunteer, someone who's been on the board for 20 some odd years, I still sometimes have to step back and take a deep breath and be like, okay, this is not getting done because there's no one to do it. And I have to be okay with that. The the other thing um, I took away from Thomas is the idea of professionalism. And, and, and it came across really when he picked his card and he said, Paul Macbeth mm-hmm. and Paul Macbeth, because there's a whole spectrum of spectrum of people that play disc golf. And as yeah. we talked about, you know, um, when we talked about the incident up at Rose Hill and, you know, the, a bunch of pot smoking disc golf players, you know, there are pot smokers, they're businessmen. There's everything in between. Everything, and, yeah. But I, but I think for the sport to grow, there has to be a certain amount of professionalism. And I really like that he pointed out, he, Paul, Paul is business. He is, if you want someone to represent your sport, I mean, I guess you need both in because, but I think you need to the draw Paul. draw all demographics. Yeah, I, I think you, you need, Paul, I mean, I think you need the Paul Macbeth in there to make it, go into the mainstream because otherwise it becomes an export it becomes becomes, if if it's just a young and you know and this is maybe like a 50 something guy talking but it becomes like skateboarding or something like that if you don't have if you don't Uh, have that that amount of professionalism yeah yeah um and i listened to brody smith because when brody smith first came in he was like uh, basketball shorts and basically calling it bullshit how people dressed and you need to be look at the PGA and you should have your shirts tucked in and belts on and and then he said and if you disagree change my mind and so people started speaking out and being like I couldn't wear that because that's not comfortable I don't like it and so this evolution of Brody started to happen where he started to admit like when I'm in a in the bushes and I got to straddle out with a sidearm and reach and I've got like branches up my butt and it's it's not comfortable in dockers with a tucked in polo shirt, yeah. right? And so he's relaxed how he dresses from when he first started to now, but he still carries a little bit of, in his play practice videos. He doesn't, but when he's on the course, he has a level of professionalism. Ezra Adderholt does. Paul Macbeth does. But I think overall, the FPO women, there's there's outliers as well. But they're all, Kristen Tatar, I think, set the bar for the FPO women, how professional she dresses, she buttons up. There's, um, you know, she's wearing outfits that you would see at the LPGA level. And this year was the most skorts, tucked in, professional, collared, that I saw coming from a lot of the FPO players and it looked really professional. Um, and I like it. And at that level, I think it's important. Yeah. I don't think when you're playing at that level and at least if you're going to complain about, we need more money, we need more media, we need more people, more eyes. We want more. 
don't wear your Pippi Longstocking socks and your mismatched shirt. And like, if you want that, portray it. Otherwise, be comfortable with who you are and be happy with the with the way the sport's going. Um, I'm guilty of it. I don't dress that professional anymore. I was so excited when we had the option not to wear collared shirts. It doesn't feel comfortable. I enjoy disc golf because it's not an uptight sport like ball golf is. There's no expectation of collared shirts and dockers and socks and closed-toed shoes. And I enjoy that. And that might be because I came into the sport 23 years ago. I see both sides of the coin. and But what I do appreciate, and I do like what Thomas says, and him and I talk about it often, especially with our club, is optics. Optics is everything forward facing how we deal with situations how we address situations and um if you're a kdgc club member you're very familiar you've received an email you know what we're going through right now optics is everything and how we move forward and how we overcome as a club is huge and i think with thomas at the helm we're doing a really good job like we're really um yeah you, you know, yeah. what did your mom always say when you're little? Yeah. If you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. Yeah. And I'm not knocking anybody that plays a sport. I no. wasn't saying I wasn't saying I am more pro Paul Macbeth. I just think that we need that side of the game as well. Yeah. If it's gonna like we talked about being in the Olympics and things like that. You yeah. Know, um there has to be you have to be able to invite everybody to play. Like, but you can't show up at the Olympics with Pippi Longstocking socks and a tutu no. on. You can't. No. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I no. appreciate that. If that's who yeah. you are, that's great. Yeah. But you're not going to get the sponsorship and the payouts and the recognition and the seriousness yeah. showing up like that to play the sport. Yeah. Okay, some last comments. Um, after listening to the chat with Thomas, I'm hoping that, including myself, as members, let's get more involved with what's going on at KDGC. Even if you can give up just one hour of your time or a morning when before the TCO, when Rose Hill is being worked on, Dick Hart or um, Mac Island, yeah, um, just turn up for a morning and you know, just take a wheelbarrow and help someone or do some raking. Um, and there's there's lots of other things that can be done. If you have any ideas, like if you um, I mean, I came up with a number of ideas I, um, during our conversation. One I think would be great is like a family tournament somehow. Yeah. So if you have a family and you want a family tournament, then, you know, you've got little kids and we'll c- come up with some format. Step forward, say, hey, I'd like to do this. And I'm sure the KDC will, KDGC will help you out. And elections are coming up. So if you are a club member, you received... Um, an email and there's a link and you can go in and you can let your name stand. You can nominate people. Every position is open. There are some club members that have left their hat in the ring for the position they're holding. Like myself, I'm letting my name stand, but there's no reason why someone couldn't run against me or nominate someone to run against me. And it's a great way to get involved. There's all kinds right from the president down to um, clinics. If you want to be involved, taking care of clinics, like, Every position's open for nominations and it's uh, and come out to the AGM. That'll be announced quickly here at the AGM. 
and I think it may have been in the email. It, it has, yeah. And come out and vote and have your voice heard and pay your $30 a year and be a club member. And every every dime you give the KDGC stays in Kamloops and stays to the growth of the sport and maintenance of the courses and upgrades and new courses. So um, $30 for a year to be able to come out and play league and play doubles and take part in club events isn't isn't a lot compared to like hockey or soccer or anything like that. So yeah. And have your voice heard, talk to us. Exactly. If you have an idea, talk to us. We don't know. Don't be upset that we didn't run a a family event this year because no one said that it was something they were interested in seeing happen. You know, we're all volunteers. So yeah. Okay. Um, so thank you. This is episode one of season two and we've got more exciting episodes. In two weeks, you will be hearing from Casey Hannemeyer, current Canadian national champion in the MPO division. Um, we have that recorded, just got to be edited. And so, yeah, that was recorded a little while ago. Yeah. And you will hear our prediction. It was actually recorded before Worlds, just mm-hmm. I think the week before Worlds. So you'll hear Kerry, Kerry's and mine and Casey's picks for who is going to win Worlds this year. And we'll see if any of us were right. Anyway, thanks for listening. As always, um, any last words, Kerry? Just again, thanks. Season two. How exciting. There must be people listening if we're still here doing this. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Love it. And drop us some ideas. What do you want to hear this offseason? Let's chat it up.